Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And so basically, I just had this idea that I was like, what if you could treat designers like teams, you know, and, and basically have almost like memorabilia or, or jerseys ultimately for them? People were, you know, it resonated with people where it's like they love these, these designers and these artists ultimately. Um, but there's no way to, to own something of theirs unless you happen to be like part of the one, two percent. Welcome to 94 and More, presented by Bristol Studio. While a basketball court might be 94 feet, we believe it's limiting to solely look at this beautiful game as a sport. In our minds, it's closer to an art form, even a tool through which we can study the world and learn about ourselves. I'm your host, Jake Fenster, and on this podcast, we will explore the game of basketball, not only as a sport, but as a dynamic force that influences culture, builds bridges, and has the ability to shape our national conversation. Hope you enjoy. As always, feel free to reach out to us at 94 at bristol-studio.com and follow us on Instagram at Bristol Studio and at 94 and more podcast. All right, let's get into the show. Today, I am joined by the founder of Bristol Studio and creative director, Luke Tadashi. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to say something. This is what you're supposed to say. Hi, nice to meet you guys. This is my first time on the podcast. I'm excited. Yeah, so Ben, if you couldn't tell, this is my first time doing this one too. So. I was just gonna say too, man. This is I feel like I'm I'm I don't even know why I'm here, to be honest with you. Like this should all just be Luke. No, but this is this is perfect. This is perfect. So this is a great moment for us. It's a great teaching moment. Uh you know, it's funny because before the call, I talked before you jumped on, I spoke with Luke about this in the intro. And you know, I guess it's everyone has a plan until they get hit in the face. So Luke just got hit in the face and uh, didn't know it. Right over my head. <laughs> but no, so Luke is here. It's a special day. This is the first time we've had him on the show. Um, but also it's a special day because Ben, you're joining us. If you can speak a little bit about what you do and kind of your background to the listeners, that would be amazing. Yeah, who am I? I mean, I so I work at StockX. I know this is not really about StockX, but this is, you know, this part of my life. Um, yeah, so I, I'm director of global cultural marketing at StockX. Um, been there for three and a half years right now. And um, prior to that, and I guess, you know, like still to this day, I, I run a brand that I founded in 2013 um, called Life in Perfect Disorder, originally called LPD New York. Um, I've also done a bunch of like other jobs, consulting, things like that in fashion mostly. Um, for a bunch of different people, but that's the yeah, that's the ten thousand foot view. A lot of different things. Uh, I I want to kind of take it back a little bit to how you and Luke first met, because um, I think it's a really interesting story and it, it's a beautiful tie into where we're at today. So I don't know if you guys wanted to share that. I mean, I remember yeah. Luke. I remember <laughs> like so vividly sitting outside the Equinox in Soho one day, and this wasn't the first time we met either. But I think it was like one of the first few times. But sitting out there and you were talking about how you're going to make denim. And uh, I think you wanted to make denim in New York and not LA. And just like talking about that. And I was just, I feel like it, things have gone so far from that conversation um, in a good way, you yeah, know, man. but it just like, just shows you can never, 
you never know what's like what's coming up or like how things are going to evolve but um yeah we met no, we met because sure. of nyu right yeah 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 and I, just real quickly i think what you just said is is uh it's interesting to talk about just because it's like it speaks to how like when you start a business you just have no idea what you're doing or at least i didn't and like what the business looks like today looks different than it did obviously when out like probably that was like eight seven eight years ago when i was just like thinking about it um mm-hmm. but even the business looks different than it did like a year ago um it's constantly yeah. growing and, and evolving so um but yeah i think the I, the first time I think we ever met was, yeah, it was in an NYU classroom. And I'm going to, I'm going to pump you up real quick. I'm going to oh, be God. your hype man. But uh, <laughs> you, <laughs> you, came, you came into the classroom because, so it was actually like a class at NYU that you had to first off apply to get into. Like it was kind of like, it was pitched as a graduate level course in fashion business. And so I was like, you know, I was thinking I was like a sophomore or something at the time. I was like, oh, this is a really big deal. Like, I don't know if I'm going to get in whatever I applied, I was able to get in kind of off just selling this idea I had, which was at the time Bristol studio, which was back then Bristol cut and sewn. <laughs> and, um, and I remember like the teacher of the course was like a former president of Burberry Americas or something. So she was like pitched also as a really big deal. And then like our first guest speaker was you. And oh, it was, like this kid came in who was like, who was like maybe a year or two older than me at the most. And you were just, you coming to the class, like, I think you had just shown at New York Fashion Week. Like, at that point, LPD was like, you, like, you just hit this crazy, like, wait, like, I don't even know. It's like all, you were ahead of the time, I think, as far as realizing that this intersection between sport and, like, the fashion world was really, there was something there. And I think you captured it in a way that, that nobody else had. And I just remember... Honestly, like a lot of the reason I, I even at that time, it was a while ago, but just trying to put myself in that mindset, like the reason I, one of the reasons I had, think I had the confidence to like really give Bristol a shot was I was like, well, shit, here's Ben, like he's, he's killing it. Like he, you know, this dude just started something and it's like, you, it was just super inspiring. It was like, I remember you told me this story about how like, you were meeting with some big retailer, I think it was like Liberty or something in London. And like, they, they came to place an order and you just pulled up with like a plastic bag full of t-shirts or something. And you like sold them like, I don't know, like a couple hundred t-shirts. And I was like, that's the coolest yeah. thing ever. Like uh-huh. that's what I want to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I think number one, that's like way too kind, all that. Um, and uh, it's crazy that was so long ago. Quickly on on that note, that was Net-A-Porte. Um, I remember that was like, it was the biggest, the biggest, I think still to this day, like biggest retailer that I talked to and, and dealt with, you know, it ever, um, as far as like scale and everything goes and, and impact. And, um, they reach out to me and they're like, love to come by your, your office or your showroom or whatever it is sometime. And it was literally me in a, in a studio, like a junior studio type thing in the Lower East Side and uh fifth floor walk up and i was like there's no way i can have like a buyer over here like that's just insane you know um especially not for metaporte so i made up something that was like oh the the studio is under construction or like we're between (laughs) things right now like i can just come to you and she was like okay i'm staying at the nomad and uh we like got coffee at the nomad i I literally rolled up with a like a duffel bag i bought at rei or something like that full of t-shirts and i was just like this is like this is it this is 
this is everything. And yeah, she wrote like, you know, they were big supporters of, of mine for a while, um, which is which is awesome. It's just crazy that that's like, yeah, that's how how it happens. It's such a cool story, man. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit more about your brand because uh, I think you know Luke's talking about what was that you're saying eight years ago. Yeah, I mean, it had to be 2013, I think. So can you kind of speak a little bit more about what your, where your brand was at then, what your brand is really about and kind of, you know, how it's evolved, you know, since then? Yeah, I mean, it's, it evolved a lot. So like at that time, it was really just like one product assortment. I think like core, which are, were the dream team tees, which are really like, excuse me, I think to, to Luke, what you're saying, like it was this fusion of sport and fashion because I think like we all know, if we're, if you're in, or you're like a fan of, or aware of like capital F fashion, like everybody loves, you know, these names that are so inaccessible, whether it's like a Prada or Raf or, you know, Rick or, or whatever it is. And they love the fact that it's like, in some cases, like for, you know, come to Garcon or whatever it is, it's like, so out there, it's so inaccessible. It's like sculpture and, you know, it's like art to a certain extent, Yeah. but like, you know, it's hard being a, kid or just being you know anyone who's not like basically super affluent it's hard to to attain any of that stuff and to like actually own it or to show that you are like aware of or you're a fan or whatever it is and so basically I just had this idea that was like what if you could treat designers like teams you know and, and basically have almost like memorabilia or or jerseys ultimately for them um and so that was like the initial product sort of like concept and offering and it really like popped off on social media ultimately because I think people were people were you know it resonated with people where it's like they love these these designers and these artists ultimately um but there's no way to to own something of theirs unless you happen to be like part of the one two percent how did you get into that is that something you always were interested in doing having a clothing line you know learning how to make stuff or was that something you kind of fell into just out of that love and you know a curiosity to kind of figure out how to make that product attainable yeah honestly no i mean to go like way back so i i went to nyu i went to gallatin um which is the school for anybody who doesn't know which is a school where you can make your own major um and I remember like I chose Gallatin because I was like, I want to do, I want to do something. I don't know what it is yet. I don't want to like pigeonhole myself into being, you know, an English major or whatever it is. And then just going down that path. Um, and I knew I wanted to be in a, in a city so that I could figure out kind of like, do I like the sort of like the culture and all this sort of stuff there? Is that, you know, is that something that I want to pursue, you know, whatever. So I went to Gallatin and I basically through, through my entire time, I was like, taking classes and everything. And that obviously was a, a focus of mine, but also I was like immediately interning like a bunch of places trying to do as many different things as I could to figure out like, what do I like? What do I not like? Like, what do I want to keep iterating on? And basically yeah. I like immediately got into fashion. And so between like all these internships in fashion and like PR buying, like wholesale, all those sorts of stuff, I kind of got to this point where ultimately I, I just was like, so in it and kind of like always thinking about this stuff that it just like became a natural, not even a natural next step, but it was just like, I had an idea. I like saw a thing that I wanted. I had an idea and I just like needed to get it out somehow. Um, yeah. And it's still like the same, like I, you know, I still do creative stuff on, on the side for myself and it's the same like methodology where it's like, 
I just have an idea and I want to see it through to fruition. It just so happened that like that idea became big enough and became like so much in demand that I could make a, a business out of it, you know? Yeah. Luke, going back a little bit, you had said that, you know, Ben was kind of like in a way an inspiration for you, kind of showed you, you know, this is possible. I can really do this. Um, can you speak more to that? Like, you know, he's saying he had this, this idea and he kind of, he learned how to bring it to life and just had to get it out there. How much of that like resonates with you and, and kind of where you were at when he came to your class and spoke? I mean, I mean it when I say like, it was a, it was a huge inspiration. I didn't know anybody at that time that was like, roughly the same age as me and like my my peer group that was just doing really cool things and kind of betting on himself I think that like that was ultimately what was super inspiring it was like and, and I guess too you know there was like at that time you just it was it was I was almost following you like it was just so much fun to see kind of like the levels of success you were having and you were kind of like this the way I saw it almost like this disruptor too who was like leveling the playing field a bit because like you said in this world of like capital f fashion which I know we've had this conversation before which sometimes can be almost insufferable for like all of those reasons that like it's intentionally alienating and it doesn't want certain people to be able to participate and I know that's not who you are and that's not really who I am either and so to for you to create something that kind of disrupted that ethos of like capital F fashion I thought was super subversive and kind of like just fun to see kind of both like it, it was like almost an F you to, to them but it wasn't at the same time because it was done from like a place of admiration and respect and it was like it was almost and the reason I say it was so ahead of its time at the beginning was because I think right now especially post-COVID like fashion's having this reckoning with that whole value system and you were you were kind of like aware of that in 2013 which is crazy to think about so and I know also for me you kind of brushed up against the forces of that system and I and I don't know if this is something you even want to talk about or what but I remember like just very very vaguely like we would have a couple conversations here and there and think like you know somebody maybe sent you a cease and desist letter or something like they weren't happy that there was this outsider kind of coming in and and just like doing all of these these really cool in my eyes really cool things but it's funny too it's also about timing like if you fast forward to today it, I bet you like just they would be they would embrace it in a way that because that's what they need <laughs> you know they need yeah. it yeah yeah I mean I think it's I think like it's, it's so interesting to see, because I think, I do agree, like, I think at, at that point in time, like 2013, 2014, like all that sort of stuff, there is this really small group of, and like quickly growing group of people and brands that were like, just like deeply disrupting the entire system, whether that was like Hood by Air or ultimately like Pyrex is probably like the pinnacle example of all these things where obviously Virgil is everywhere now. Um, and it's not to say that that's because of Pyrex because obviously he did all that other stuff before, but like the idea, and I remember like people were just like so floored by like the audacity of taking like a garment that someone else made, you know, a polo flannel and putting a print on it and then selling it for like 600% markup. <laughs> and people were like, this is insane. Like there's basically people were like, this should be illegal was like the sense that you got from it. But it's just like, that just is, that is how, 
so many of these brands operate and people just couldn't like they couldn't wrap their heads around that but now if you look at it now it's like yeah and and now it's like it's interesting to see i feel like fashion is an interesting space because like fashion has just changed so much but like for some reason one thing that's coming to mind for me is like if you guys know that instagram account euphoric supply that he makes like um like toys and like plushes that look like or like are inspired by like rappers or like musicians or like he'll make like a hot wheels figure that's like the car from the cover of nostalgia ultra okay it's like you know yeah. yeah so like that kind of thing and like that's a similar thing where it's like it's not it's not co-opting it's not you know like poking fun at but it's like a, a ref like it's like a wink essentially yeah like a knowing wink and like whatever to the original thing or to like the other person who who you're showing appreciation to or whatever it is and now you get like it's interesting to see all these creators all these brands whatever it is are like huge fans of that and it goes both ways where it's like there's a dialogue whereas before it was very like yeah i'm i'm the brand i'm like i'm setting the the rules and like you are the consumer there's no like mm-hmm. back and forth and that's what always was interesting to me to like see the the brands and the designers who really understood like i know ne- i never met him but I always heard like the nicest things and he was a uh, you know a big fan like on social and everything of like t-shirts I was making but Olivier Rousting from Balmain was like he was he like wore the shirts he like gave shirts to to friends of his or whatever and same thing too with with I think Ricardo Tishi like I remember at one point in time I got like a bulk order I think that was shipped to to Givenchy like to their offices I might I, that might be like not exactly right with him or, or whatever but I remember getting that and I was like wow this is like pretty wild yeah yeah no i think um i feel like we're all aligned in in our way of thinking when it comes to the you know the brands we like the clothes that we wear and the way that we like to support you know people um and i think for bristol especially like everything you're saying about your brand was kind of what we incorporated you know we thought about what are the important values what are the things that we want to communicate how do we want to exist in the world it's really always been like you know we're people like you need to know us. This isn't some massive conglomerate. This isn't uh, something you can't actually interact with and touch and feel. Um, but we're just, you know, some friends who love basketball and love the, what the game gave us. And we want to find a way or we are finding a way to, you know, pay it back and, and to be to exist and be something that people can actually interact with rather than all of these big companies that, you know, we know that they, they still treat people like, OK, you're the customer we're the business and that's it. There is still that lack of communication, um, which I think is just so out of date. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, oh, that's what I was going to say. I think like it's changing for sure. And I, and I hope that we can be a brand that's part of that change. But I almost feel like for so long, there was this almost like, like it was like high, like a high level of taste couldn't exist with, some of the more inclusive and like communal values that um yeah you know like ben that your brand was about early on especially like i think um and i think we're obviously the world has changed a lot and we're moving more towards that but you know to jake's point i think like our our goal is definitely to be that brand that's both you know like we have an appreciation of things that are really well designed and thoughtful and and uh and just like kind of, I guess I hate maybe using this term, but like more of like a hot, like a 
a high level of taste or high high aesthetic but um mm-hmm. but also at the same time being approachable and like yeah you know kind of not coming at it from like well if you don't know about this this and this reference kind of you can't get what we're doing and therefore yeah. you can't really truly be a part of it and i think um you know it's it's just about finding it's about meshing those two worlds and yeah to jake's point i think ltd early on like really was like one of those brands that was doing that yeah i mean on that note i think like two two things number one like one of the things that i love about bristol is that like i'm not i'm not a, like a basketball or sports guy in general but there are so many things that you guys make that resonate with me as like just someone who is either like aware of basketball as a sport but like not a you know necessarily a deep follower or whatever or just like a human being that like likes you know good looking stuff so like I remember when you guys came the triple hem shorts I think are like killer number one and number two I remember you came out with that with the button down recently I think it's it's named after you Luke right with the like sort of jersey looking detail into it I was like that's so it's so smart and it's so like well thought out and it's not it's not didactic in that way that's like yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't know about this unless whatever it is because like I'm totally not that core Bristol customer I'll say quote unquote because I don't I don't play I'm not like out there hooping or anything like that I like hate that I said that it probably sounds super (laughs) authentic right now but um but I'd still and I still appreciate it and there is a second point that I've now completely forgotten no, but the thing to, to, to note and to communicate, and it's one of my favorite points about what we're doing is, you know, on the surface, it's basketball, right? Because basketball is our identity. The four of us, I mean, we have a lot of other things that make us who we are, but basketball is the through line that connected us, you know, in our story. Um, but what we really break it down to is, is the opportunity that the game allowed, right? So it's, it's how we're sitting here having this conversation really is through basketball. It's not our direct relationship, but indirectly, basketball is what led to this brand in a way for Luke. Basketball is what led me and Luke together, you know, to really form our relationship to be in the situation. And, and that's what allowed this podcast to be created. And then to have you on, and it's a full circle moment. Um, and even though it's not directly about basketball for us, there's still, it's still created this opportunity. And you know, that's really what the brand is about. It's really about capturing that. And it could be, any other sport, it could be art for somebody else. You know, it, it doesn't have to be basketball, but it's just about how it can, you know, creates a bridge between worlds, brings people together and, you know, hopefully creates opportunity that it, you didn't have before. So that's yeah. really what's at the center of this, this thing that we're doing. I think too, I remember the second thing I was going to say, and, and like that is like a hundred percent in harmony with what I was thinking where it's like, and what we're all talking about where it's like before you know, 10 or so maybe years ago, maybe even less. Um, a lot of this stuff, I'm just going to say like luxury, quote unquote, like broadly speaking, because I don't think it's just fashion either. I think it's like furniture. I think it's, yeah, you know, food, everything. It's very like exclusionary on purpose where it's like, you cannot have this thing unless you like, you know about it, you know, somebody you can afford it or whatever. Yeah. And like, that was, that was the methodology you know, and it, it was not about access. It was not about let us teach you about things. Let us bring you into our world, you know, whatever it is, even if you're one degree, 10 degrees removed or whatever it is. Whereas now I think like for you guys, for all, I think all the brands 
that are doing something interesting now and, and even beyond brands i think it's like retailers i think it's restaurants i think it's all these other things like yeah. it's it's inclusive it's all about like you know and it's almost like you i mean it's everything even like social media like on tiktok and everything like that it's not the glossy you know instagram view it's like this is this is who like we actually are this is what actually is interesting to everybody and this is like what brings us together on a human level yeah it's a, yeah. a really interesting shift um and i think i feel like it's definitely come about with like our generation that's been pushing it and you know i think we like we've been talking about you know we grew up us specifically we grew up you know loving out for me i would walk into nike and buy the shoes that were on the shelf right you know i could mm-hmm. walk into nike and get my favorite kobe's um when i was a kid and that that to me was everything um i didn't have to you know know if stock x is great it's a great platform. No, no, no. it allows for that to happen but you know now it's like i can't even get a pair of kobe's you know and that's that is for me um such a challenge and it just takes me back to like what i want to see for our brand what i want to create is something that people can you can see it online and you can go into the store and you can get it you know it's there for you to get uh, you can interact with it you can love it you can cherish it you can have your connection to it uh, because i know growing up that's what it was for me it was all about that connection all about that feeling of being able to actually go see it and get it and leave with it. Um, so I think we come from that era where we wanna see that, we want that com- to come back and not be exclusive and be able, uh, be available for people. So I think that's personally what's driving me um, you know, to create that system again. And I think our generation just is, is trying to get back to that, is trying to find a way to you know, make these things that we want attainable and exist and you know, take some of that power back from those people that had the power for so long. Yeah. I think like really quickly, I think like that idea of taking the power back is like a hundred percent accurate. And I, I think a lot of it too is I think things are coming back to that like shared experience type thing or like the resonance type thing instead of, I feel like for a while. And it's interesting because like, we're still in sort of the like infancy of social media. You know what I mean? Like Instagram only came out I don't know, around 2010 or whatever it is. Yeah. Like I remember before Instagram being on Facebook, before that being on MySpace and everything. And like, that was my initial, you know, experience. I'm, I'm dating myself right now. Um, <laughs> although Luke already dated me anyway. But um, like, I remember that was my first experience with social media. And like the whole idea that like you create what you present on social media, you know, that was like such a huge thing. And I feel like when Instagram came out and it was like, you could share pictures of like your life. There's obviously the beginning phase where everybody's like just posting all these things and it all looks uh, like look terrible in hindsight crazy filters on everything whatever but I remember I just so distinctly remember there's this long period and I think we're still in it to a certain extent with Instagram which is why I compare it to like TikTok but it's like Instagram is for the flex where it's like this is where you want to show off like I'm I this is you know my roles or I'm on a beach somewhere or I've yeah. got, you know, these shoes that you can't get or whatever it is. It's all about like showing off. And I remember it really struck me because I was listening to this person talk and I won't name this person, but I was listening to this person talk and they were like, on my Instagram, I want to make you feel bad because the shit that I have is so great. And like, I want to flex on you so hard that you're like mad. And I remember instantly, I was just like, that's a horrendous way of looking at it. And like, that is what's wrong with like the approach to social but also like brands you know all these brands who are like we want to make things 
in I'm gonna say in fashion. It's like the same thing with the the t-shirts and all sorts of stuff, like the same ethos where it's like it should be it should be for the people and like you should be able to have a dialogue and have you know have that relationship with your consumer from a brand perspective. And I think like there are brands that do it well, there are brands that do it not so well. It shouldn't be so like, you know, guarded, like walled garden type thing. Yeah. No, conceptually at least obviously yeah i think that's that's really interesting and something that i know um for a while i was grappling with just with bristol was like i don't i've never been quote unquote like good at instagram or maybe that's not even the best way to put it but just like felt even though i am native to it felt native to it i always <laughs> felt clunky and like you know, I, always, I kind of always feel like I'm just, I'm like way, way better in person. Like if, like if we just, no Instagram, you know, then, talking, then yeah. how, however I have to present myself on Instagram. And I, and I feel like, you know, like that was kind of a struggle with Bristol for sure early on. And I feel like we're starting to, starting to figure it out and hit, and hit our stride with it. But it's just, it's funny. It's like, it, it just reminds me also just, I think social media in and of itself came about as this really great tool of like just being able to always connect with people and to in a way you know make the world a little less lonely like allow you to connect with people in different places and this isn't my original idea or anything but it's just it's it's something I'm constantly thinking about it's just like how unintentionally it's become this space where you know in, instead of making people feel closer we've isolated people um and from just like a psychological yeah. perspective, I think it's a really interesting, it, it's like a really interesting uh, lens through which to study humans. It's like, you're given this tool to connect with one, in the, one another. And then there's certain pockets of it that are created that actually are intentionally alienating people. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, it just sparked up. No, me. I mean, it's, it's totally true. I remember like, I think a lot of it too is a sort of like weird, you know, it's like a snake eating its tail type thing where you know, you want to, you want to have something special and you want to show it off because it's so special to you and you want to like share that with the world, you know, but then, you know, if your following is big enough or whatever it is, the fact that you have it and that you're excited about it makes other people like envious and they want it. And then it becomes a cycle of like, obviously there's not infinite supply of like anything, not even, I mean, you know, air or whatever it is but like any commercial product like there's not an infinite supply of any even if you were to buy like white Hanes t-shirt like they'd run out at some point in time and like that that sort of like desire that demand is just like inherently I mean it's inherently I think part of like the human condition and this is like going off in a whole other different you know direction but like no this is great that is like yeah let's keep going you know NYU deep on it um (laughs) But like putting that magnifying glass on it on like social media and like looking at your phone for, you know, five hours a day or whatever it is that we're like all doing is like, that's just not good for your mental health. But, uh, but yeah, it's tough. I mean, I remember like quick random thing, but like, I remember my now wife and I went to this um, restaurant in, in Brooklyn years ago. And it was like, I think a friend of ours told us about it because the entire inside of the restaurant is like, you know, millennial pink, quote unquote. And we went in there and there were signs everywhere printed, you know, eight by 11 sheets of paper that said no pictures, no getting up in like from your table and standing in the, in the walkways to take a picture, no video, no like press inquiries, whatever it is. It's basically like, don't post anything. And there are signs all over the restaurant that ruined like the experience of eating there. Cause even though the food was so good and like 
the space was designed to be on Instagram. You know what I mean? Like no one paints an entire thing pink and like has an exposed kitchen and like they do all this nice stuff, blah, blah, blah. Like no one does that because they're just like, oh, it like looks nice. No, like you definitely did it because you <laughs> know that people are going to post it. You know, they're going to tell their friends to go and, and yeah. you know, go there because it looks cool. And it was just like the the pretense of like, we're going to make this thing super shareable, but don't share it. Like you can come yeah. here, but you can only like do so much. Like just so like that weird tension of, you know, whatever. It's but weird. same thing where it's like, yeah, you post it and then people are like, oh, I got to go there. And then there's a line. So you can't get in or something. And then you want to post because you got in. It's an uh, interesting, it's interesting, you know, being on both sides of it, you know, having grown up, like you said, we, we've seen Instagram become something and then we've seen what it turned into and where it's at today. Uh, I think the, the thought is always like, if you want to share things, everyone can do whatever they want, right? But the thought is, if you want to share it for you, that's one thing. If you want to share it for other people, like really think about that, you know, because then it's not for you. So what are you really getting out of that? And you kind of have to, I think with these social media platforms, you, you have to look inside yourself at times. You have to check back in with yourself because it's very easy to get caught up in what the masses are doing, what the trends are. Oh, I'm seeing all these people on my explore page showing off their watches, their cars or where they're at. But, and then you can think that's what you're supposed to do. But I think it's important to always check in and say like, what do I really want to do? Who am I? What does this mean to me? Um, and I think there's just not a lot of that. There's really not a lot of people taking that time out of their day to think about what they're doing for five hours on their phone. They're just doing it. They're just moving and they're acting. And, you know, I think that's the scary part about all of this. If you don't take the time to really think about it and reflect on it before you know it, you're going to be far along, far down the line. And it'll be years of your time, you know, spent doing this stuff and, and really what's the purpose? Why are you doing it? That's such a valuable point to, to understand. It's all you. I was just going to say, I think, I, I think something that's, that's interesting to me is like, these aren't problems necessarily that are unique to us. I feel like they're very human things to want to, at the end of the day, it's like, I, I think we're all clearly yearning for something that's missing and whether that's like to be validated to be seen to feel connected and it's not like our parents generation or grandparents or whatever didn't feel that way too it's just like they didn't necessarily have the power at their fingertips that we do and then I guess like that leads me to think like you know I don't I'm one of those people who doesn't I don't believe like anything is an accident you know I don't necessarily believe like everything happens for a reason but I believe like yeah you know there's I don't know, things happen the way they do. And I think like at the same time, our generation also in ways feels, and maybe this is why we get knocked sometimes, but like more compassionate at times, or, or at least we try to be. And I think sometimes maybe that can even on a, in a, in the worst sense, I guess it can be perceived sometimes as self-righteous and it can be sometimes, but also I think there is something genuine about like you know, we we're talking earlier about this push towards inclusion and all of these things that, you know, today it's really, I don't know, it's really happening in a way that it wasn't. So I almost wonder like if the timing of this is all meant to be in the sense that like, you know, we were given these tools for whatever reason, timing wise, because actually our generation maybe is a generation that and not just us, but Gen Z too, and the people beneath them and, and, and all of us coming up together can hopefully figure out a way yeah. to, uh, to find the right balance and how to 
use these tools for I yeah. don't know for good and, <laughs> and not for bad but anyway yeah. I'm on a, I've gone off on a crazy tangent <laughs> I think it's it's true I mean I think it's like it's also I think it's tough to also come to terms with like how you strike that balance especially from a like brand and a company perspective because like yeah it's I mean, you have, you know, take like Supreme, for example, and it's like, they used to always have box logos in the store. You could just walk in and buy one, but obviously they weren't like Supreme, like they are now. And then I remember I read something that was like, there was this basically one day Supreme realized that there were people coming in just to get the box logo because they were like, they're on vacation. Then they were going to go back to where they're, wherever they were from and sell it person to person before eBay, before all that stuff for a markup and they basically were like all right we're like cutting the box logos now we're only going to do them you know specially at specific times and that's like when the demand you know started to grow i think it's the same thing where it's like you want to you obviously want to like have product available for people but whether we like it or not we're all ingrained to think that like something that's sold out basically is like more desirable or like worth more because the demand outpaces the supply and like I remember when I started when I started LPD like a long time ago I would only make you know 50 t-shirts 100 t-shirts whatever it was and it's like when they're gone they're gone and then essentially like I started getting interest from from retailers and I, I was like this does like this doesn't this methodology doesn't jive with like their way of doing business because if yeah. there are only like 50 of a thing I can just like, I'm basically cutting off my potential growth, both like in impact and financially and everything. I'm like cutting it off at the root. You know what I mean? There's no way to grow. There's no way to expand. And so I remember like when I first did an order, I think the first store that I dealt with was Brown's first store I dealt with in the States was V files. And I remember when I did the V files thing, there was this one guy who was like, he was a big fan of the brand and he, he would like buy every, every shirt that I released, whatever it was. And then when I started basically like not reissuing, but kind of like opening up, you know, distribution, he like commented on a couple Instagram posts that was like, basically saying that like, this is bad. I hope you go back to the limited version, you know, like blah, 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 whatever. And it's just like, how do you strike that balance between you want to keep your customers and you want to keep people happy because you want to be able you, you know, you want to have that relationship. You want to be able to make people feel included and like whatever, but at the same time, like you also need to, you need to grow your business. You need to sell product at a certain point. And so like, you know, I don't think anybody's really hit that balance right yet, but there's an interesting like tension there that I think has existed for ever. I was just going to say, I mean, it, I know we talked about them a little bit earlier in sort of the opposite way, but I feel like as far as scaling a brand off of exclusivity and, um, and scarcity like supreme definitely from a monetary perspective figured it out you know <laughs> yeah. um, which is interesting to think about i don't know but because it is it is it is a tension it's like how do you scale a business you know selling selling 100 t-shirts at a time there's definitely like a ceiling at which you're going to bump up against and it's just yeah i don't know that's that's a that's definitely a tough I think it's a constant conversation with yourself. Like with, you know, it's, it's defining, obviously I don't have it figured out, but I think just from our experience, like, you know, we grapple with this sometimes and trying to figure it out. Like, you know, you want to 
you, you want your customers to be happy. You want to be able to create something that they can hold and, and that they can have and love and cherish. And especially if it's a product that they're super excited about and it's in high demand. Um, but I think it ultimately comes down to like, you know, how do you want to grow and where do you see yourself growing to? And that's the, you know, you figure that out and you move accordingly to your own, you know, plan, right? You don't let the outside affect that. You figure out exactly who you are, where you want to go, and you follow that roadmap regardless. And I think as long as, you know, we talk about this all the time, as long as we stay authentic to ourselves and what we want to create and what we're creating, we'll be good, you know? So I think that's just kind of the way we, we move. Yeah. I got a question for you, Ben. So it's definitely applicable to us too, just from a business perspective, but how did you, how did you deal with that tension? How did, where did you go with that? I, I think like that, that is like, it's a great, I mean, I, I don't think that necessarily I have the answer. You know what I mean? I don't think anybody really out there probably has the answer, but my approach to it. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I can give you like my perspective and my experience, which was really, I think like I looked at it instead of a, instead of a unit count thing, it was a like, who am I working with thing? So specifically retailers, ultimately it's like, and I, I was in the sort of like grateful enough, lucky enough space. I don't want to say lucky necessarily, cause there's obviously a lot of like thought that goes into these things, but like I was, I was happy enough and whatever, I'm not saying it right, but you know, in a good enough space that like I could work with really good retailers and I didn't have to like go out and basically like be hawking stuff to, to people who were not necessarily stores that I wanted to deal with just because I had to like sell a product, but I generated enough demand that like they knew that they could sell the product that I was making. So it was, it was mutually beneficial. Um, and so I think it was like, instead of looking at it from a unit perspective, looking at it from a like quality of quality of like partners perspective, where that kind of defines your, your demand and your like association ultimately, and your like legitimacy in some senses where, you know, if, if you're, your list of stockists on your website says like Nata Porte, Lane Crawford, you know, blah, 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 down the list, all the stories that, that mattered at the time. And, and some of whom that still matter, like that becomes your source of uh, like demand generation, basically in a sense. That was at least how I looked at it at least. Yeah. I also, another question off of that, that genuinely just curious about, like, I know it was very much the nascent stage of this, but you know, how did you at that time think about direct to consumer versus retail? Because I feel like, you know, you, I, I just, I know from being a fan of what you were doing at the time, like you had a real following and demand for your product. And I almost feel like you could have, and maybe I'm wrong, there's probably stuff I don't know, but I feel like you really could have just built a direct to consumer, like a really strong direct to consumer business and yeah. said, you know, thank you, but no thank you to the retailers. So how did, I mean, how did you think about that at the time? Totally. No, I mean, I think like in hindsight, hundred percent, you know, I could, I think that there are like two, you know, two paths basically. And I happened to go down one path that like included retail, but I could have totally gone down a different path and just not done it ever. Um, and obviously that would have looked different. Like their business would have grown differently, whatever. But I think both, both were like totally valid options. Um, and I think ultimately like the reason I started to do retail was that I was just thinking like, number one, I want to get my brand out there more. I want to put it in front of people who 
maybe are like a couple degrees removed from my current customer base. And like, they, it would take them another, you know, one to six to 12 months or something to hear about my brand. And so basically like just accelerate that process. Cause if you're, you know, a shopper in really good example is like, I, I did um, business with this store in Sydney in Australia. I don't know how I would ever have reached customers there other than, you know, using the channels that I had, but like there was nobody I knew in Australia, no like influencers that I could think of that were like, that I had a relationship with or like could build a relationship with or whatever it was. And so it was like that, like immediately exploded my, my customer base and my fan base in Australia, just by virtue of, of having that one point of access. Um, and so that was like one reason. The other reason ultimately was like that legitimacy factor where I feel like in, yeah. you know, 2012, 2013, 20, even I think up until like a couple of years ago, retailers were like, the way that you legitimize your brand in capital F fashion, where it's like, now I think you have all, not all these direct to consumer brands, but I think you have a lot of direct to consumer brands that are doing it well and making good product. But back then I feel like if you had a brand, like you were still trying to get it into yeah, Barney's def- or like Bergdorf or whatever. For sure. It was different. Definitely. Different it, was yeah. it was that sign. Like if you went to a store and you saw a new brand, you knew they were like, you didn't even think about it. You didn't question it. You, you automatically accepted it. Who is this brand? This is a real brand. You're not thinking like, Oh, is this just four guys running, running around town crazy? Like you're thinking this is a legitimate business operation. You know, obviously yeah. doesn't, you don't get the whole story from that, but that's just the way we were, we were trained. We're legitimate. We're legitimate. Oh, no, we are absolutely. <laughs> I think the way that like, consumers were trained no, back then was, you know, yeah. you saw it in a store, it was real. But now, like Ben yeah. said, you, these direct-to-consumer businesses can be so strong, you don't even need that. And, and you're legitimized um, by your own doings. And I think even Instagram, these different channels of social media have been a huge part of that because it allows us to communicate directly with our customers and our fans and, and have those conversations that, you know, you don't need that retailer to speak to these new yeah. audiences. I think that's like, that's, that's the other thing too, is like, I think before there is, and it comes back to kind of the like one, one direction conversation thing where it's like the brand established, like what was cool that was filtered through the stores. And then you bought the store and like magazines and editorials sit in there somewhere, but it's basically like everyone's talking to, to at you, not even to you, but like at you as a consumer being like this year, it's, you know, flannel shirts and you go into, you go into Bergdorf and it's like racks and racks and racks of flannel shirts. And you're like, wow, I guess I have to buy some flannel shirts now or whatever. Um, But now, and I think like that was the other thing where it's like, you walk into a store, you see a brand and you're like, okay, this must be cool because I think that the store is cool. The buyers must be cool, you know, whatever. And for it to be here, that means like I can, I can, I have to buy this to be cool or topical or whatever. But now I think it's like, I think that that's so not the case anymore. Like, I, I don't think people read magazines the same way or to the same extent that they used to. I don't think that people trust stores to the same extent that they used to. I think like a lot of the times that I've either gone into a store recently or like gone with people into a store, it's because like, we know they carry this brand. They might have this product that like that person's looking for. It's not about like, I want to go and see like yeah, find something. what I should be buying. Yeah. Yeah, it's much more like I, as the consumer, am so much more educated and and like conscious of what's going on now by virtue of 
social or whatever else is is happening, but you're getting that direct like information from everywhere else and you're able to communicate, you know, with with everybody else about like who has this or, you know, is this worth it? Blah, 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 whatever. It's not, you don't just necessarily like implicitly trust these third parties to like determine your decisions anymore. How has that impacted you and your brand? Are you still focused on retail partners? Are you kind of pulling back to more direct to consumer or or where are you at with everything? It's definitely a lot more direct to consumer. Um, I think like the, the way that I and a lot of other people think about it now is much more so like, what is that relationship with your customer? You know, and and basically like, why, why have an intermediary who's going to interrupt that? when you could just have that relationship directly. Um, and I think it's much more about like person to person storytelling, even more so than social media and stuff like that now, because you have brands like Bottega that are like totally off social. And, and obviously they're in a different situation because they have all these like retail doors and you know whatever. But I think it's more about like presenting something interesting when you want to present it instead of consistently being like, I'm going to throw a barrage of product at you because I have to, or, or just because we need you to buy more things, you know? Yeah. It's an interesting place to be in. Um, so what do you think is on the horizon for you with your brand? You know, where do you see it going next? Or have you thought about the evolution of it further or, or are you kind of at a place right now where you're, uh, you know, you're kind of focused on what you got going on at StockX and, and all these other things in your life? I think it's definitely like, I mean, I think obviously things, it's, it's taking up less of a percentage of my mind than when I did it full time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I think that enabled me to think more creatively about it and really kind of only do things that I feel strongly about. And that I, I feel like, cause that's basically how I started the brand too. You know what I mean? It's like, I had an idea and it kept kind of kicking around in my head to the point that I was like, I need to do this thing. Like if it, I basically took it as like, if I feel this good about it, like there have to be some other people who would feel good about it. And like, I don't know how to do it. You know, I I was just, and I think this goes back to the question of like, how did I start the brand? Or like, did I want to start a brand, whatever it is in the beginning? And it was like, no, I just had an idea and I really wanted to like get it out there. And I basically kind of just like kept, you know, stumbling over things and figuring things out until I like got to to a product. And that product happened to be like something that I could put into the market, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's like going back to that mentality and it's like harmonious with everything that we're talking about with like Instagram and everything where it's like everything has to be thought first instead of like de- not demand, but like end goal first, you know? I appreciate that. I appreciate you sharing all this. And I think it, it really is inspiring. You know, I think it's a great full circle moment for us to be able to have this conversation and have you on this, this show. Um, I think we're kind of running out of time a little bit, but I don't know if there's anything else that you want to share on this episode. I appreciate that you guys invited me on and I, I am like floored that I got to, to share the spotlight with Luke and, and I know it's amazing. <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy. It's, it's crazy. It's been, yeah, like eight years or whatever it is. That's insane to think about. Um, I'm, I'm floored to be able to share the spotlight with you, man. Like I said, it was <laughs> you, you still are, but at the time, especially like just seeing you walk into that, that class I was taking and like, you know, be just a couple years or a year older than me and like sharing, I don't know, like guest speaking on this topic that I was interested <laughs> in that. Yeah. That's crazy. So, I mean, yeah. And I think uh, there's a part of me too, that was just like, well, 
shit, if you can do it, I think I could try and figure it out too. Like, I mean, at the very least, you know, I can give it a shot. So yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad like our audience and the listeners get to kind of, I, I felt like your story was super relevant because it's definitely in a way part of our inception story as well. And I think, you know, it also speaks to the fact that, and this isn't something I brought up earlier, but like, I really appreciated at that time, there was a lot of people I hit up, like, and I'm sure you did the same thing, but a lot of people I like cold emailed or just reached out to. And I just, you know, and I, and I, and I totally remember who they are, but did not respond to me and whatever. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was a, it, it was definitely a small gesture, but like it, 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 everybody's got busy lives. And I just, I appreciated that you gave me the time of day and like you engaged with me and you weren't like, you know, one of those people even that I met with that was like, like, what are you doing? Like, you have no shot at this and like, whatever, you were very encouraging. And just by your actions and what you were doing, I was like, oh shit, like this, this is possible. So yeah, definitely open, open my eyes up and, um, I'm grateful for that. I appreciate it, man. Sorry, really quickly. Like if there's anything that I can like get, yeah. Like give anybody listening to this, it's like, go for it. You know, I think like, and I I also like encourage people who are listening, who are maybe not like trying to develop a thing, but have developed it and are like more in like our seats where it's like, you kind of are doing a thing or you've done a thing or whatever it is. And there are people who are like trying to do something that is like what you're doing. Like the, the, couple of minutes that it takes out of your day to either like answer a DM or answer an email or like get coffee or something like that. You know, obviously I'm not saying like get coffee with everybody because your life would just be like getting coffee to potentially <laughs> too much caffeine. But like, yeah, too much caffeine. But a really like, high caffeine think, tolerance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's like sharing that knowledge, share, like share the wealth, you know what I mean? Cause I feel like, and it goes back to the whole accessibility thing before, but it's like, just because you know the factory or you know the buyer or whatever it is it doesn't mean that like you can't you can't open that knowledge like you can't open that door up a little bit because you know there's something I think there's something really special about like everybody everybody can win it's not like a zero-sum game where you win or they win it's like everybody can win you just level like up level the whole playing field you know what I mean and so like share the knowledge share the connections like and just go for it because I don't know, life's too short to like wonder about like, what if I did this? What if I did that? Yeah. Like, just, just do it, you know? Very true. Well, Ben, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Luke, thanks for joining the show today too, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you. Jake, it was, Jake, it was an honor to share this platform with you too, man. <laughs> yeah, man. too, Jake. It's about this time, your, man. Your... <laughs> appreciate it, guys. Can't wait to do it again. Here. All right, guys. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you guys again. All right. Thanks again. Bye. All right. This podcast is presented by Bristol Studio. Sound editing by Rashad Allen. Music by James Grissom. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.